One more announcement that I forgot to make. Next Sunday, we have a really amazing worship service planned. It will not be here at Rancho Pico. It will be at Bouquet Canyon Park. And it is our annual tri-tip and chicken barbecue and worship service outdoors. Uh, Dave Lisnick and a great crew is going to be overseeing, cooking about 350 pounds of tri-tip and chicken over oak, Santa Maria style. It's awesome every year. So uh, we want to see you there. Be inviting your family and friends to join us. And that'll be at 10 a.m. at Bouquet Park. And then we'll enjoy great lunch together afterwards. All right? So forgot to make that announcement, but want to remind you. All right. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Today we're going to talk about three important questions that Jesus answers. We're going to talk about who was Cain's wife. How did you create the universe? And what is heaven like? Just kidding. You're going to have to wait for those answers. Wouldn't it be great, huh? We all have opinions, but I don't think we're going to know those until we get to ask face to face. But we're going to start in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And in verse 3 to 6, it says, This is good. And pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. You know, Paul here says that it is God's desire, it is God's heart for all men and women to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He said he gave his son as a ransom for everybody. And he said, oh, this, this testimony is true, given the proper time. You know, it was on Paul's heart, the salvation of mankind. And the three questions that we're going to look to Jesus to answer for us today all have to do with salvation. So what are the three questions? Number one is, how many people are going to be saved? Number two is, how many different ways are there to be saved? And number three is, what if I don't get the proof I need to be saved? You know, Paul said that Jesus was the ransom given for all mankind. Jesus was part of God's plan. After all, it was his creation. He wants a relationship with you. And his heart is for everybody. All 7 billion plus people who live on this planet to be saved. That's, that's God's desire. And he sent his son to accomplish that. You know, when you ask important questions, it's really important to have credentials behind your answers. You know, we all have opinions 
We have opinions about a lot of things. Sometimes we got opinions about things that we know nothing. And I always tell people, you know, you need to watch out for spiritual material because spiritual books, you actually don't need any credentials to write spiritual books. Even if it's a bestseller. You can have your opinion and if people feel like, well, that makes sense. It can become a bestseller. We would never handle that with any technical subject. Can you imagine me getting up here and expounding on, you know, nuclear energy and physics? And then somebody goes, so you studied it out. No, I just stayed in a Holiday Inn Express last night. You'd be like, well, we, we don't want to hear what you have to say. That's not your area of expertise. What's your credentials? And so we're going to talk about salvation. Let's first start with the credentials of Jesus. Well, Paul said that Jesus was the one given as a ransom for many. Let's go over to John chapter 12 and reinforce that. In John chapter 12, in verse 47. Jesus says, as for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. And I think that's a good starting place, because depending on how you're wired, you can look at Jesus as the enforcer. He's the spiritual cop. He's just going to write you spiritual tickets for all the infractions. He's just going to follow you around. Ticket, 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 ticket. And Jesus, no, I'm not that guy. I came to save. God didn't send me to be the judge. He came, he sent me to be the savior. And so that's always helpful, you know, when you establish the credentials to go, oh, Jesus is on my side. He wants me to be saved. So that's good news. But you know what? It doesn't stop there he says in verse 48 he goes well there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words that very word which i spoke will condemn him at the last day go wait a second i thought he wasn't he didn't come to judge now that's not to say there won't be a judgment it's just saying the heart behind why jesus went to the cross was to save Each and every one of us. Why? Because God's heart is that all mankind be saved. And so God has said, okay, I got a plan. Jesus, my son, is going to the cross. He's going to be your savior. I'm going to put the opportunity out there for everybody. And Jesus says, I'm on your side. But it is conditional. Conditional on what? Your response. Jesus is like, I am not going to save you against your will. I'm not going to make you do what you don't want to do. God's heart is that you come to him. The opportunity is available. Salvation's out there. But you have to choose to accept my words or reject them. 
And Jesus' answer to the salvation question is what's going to make the difference of whether or not we end up saved. So I'd say, hey, if he's going to be the standard, he's the Savior. So it's like he's the judge, he's the jury, and he is the defense attorney on our behalf. So that's a pretty cool courtroom right there. That's a lot of really good credentials. So we're just going to focus on his answers to these important questions. So the first one, how many people are going to be saved? Well, we're going to read two verses where Jesus answers this question. First, Luke 13. Luke chapter 13, we're going to read verse 22 through 24. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Let's go over and read the answer he gives in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew's account. Chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's definitely not what you hear out in society. Certainly not where we live. Not in our great nation. That's not, that's not the general mindset. The general mindset is, oh yeah, lots. In fact, most are going to heaven. Well, Jesus, the one with the credentials, said, no, I disagree with that opinion. He goes, the fact is, only a few. He said, the path is wide. The road is broad. That leads to destruction. That's the one the majority are on. They're on the easy road, the convenient road. The spiritual life with no cross, no commitment. Kind of do what you want. The road to salvation is narrow. It's hard. And he says the minority of people are actually going to find it. You know, I don't know how you feel about Jesus' answer to that question. It could almost feel offensive. You can... Want to take issue with it? 
go, well, I don't, I don't like what I'm hearing. You know, that's why we started in 1 Timothy 2, is because Jesus' facts are coming from a heart that says, I'm here to be the Savior. You know, because what limits the salvation process is not God, and it's not what Jesus did on the cross. It's not their heart. It's not their desire. The only thing that limits salvation is our response to His Word. But we can get offended, going, that's narrow-minded. That's an elite kind of thinking. That's not the heart of God. No, the heart of God is that all mankind to be saved. That's the heart of God. But a loving God allows each one of us the free will to make our own decision. The fact is, Jesus says that with the free will, the choice that we have, only a few are going to enter on the narrow road. You know, if we really believe Jesus' answer, it's going to change how we operate. You know, we got a great outdoor service coming up next week. You know what? If you really in your heart believe, hey, most people are going to go to heaven anyway, then it really wouldn't matter if you try and invite somebody to church or tell them about God or study the scriptures with them. Because if, if we're pretty much all going to go there anyway... Why try hard? But if it's hard work, and the response matters, and we're told to make every effort, then that's a difference maker in my life, but also in the impact that I want the gospel to be able to have in the people around us. After all, God's will is for all mankind to be saved. That means everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in your workplace, everybody in your family. That's the heart of God. So it ought to change how we live. Do you believe the facts? I remember the first time I studied the Bible, I had a hard time with this truth. Because my first response is, you know, when you start seeing what the Bible says about how to become a Christian, it just kind of felt like it got narrower and narrower and narrower. Because I'd grown up kind of thinking, well, well, of course I'm a Christian because I went to church my whole life, so why wouldn't I be? And I'm a pretty good guy. And, you know, so, yeah. But then you start going, you know, studying out the words and go, well, I don't do that. And I, and I didn't do that. And I didn't respond that way. And I didn't make this decision. And I need to. And then you start going, wait, if, if I need to, to become a Christian, then so would other people. But I look around and I don't see everybody living this way. And you go, what does that mean? Well, it means what Jesus said it did. You know, why do you think the person asked, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? They got the point. Christianity is not easy. 
God's heart to make it available. And he sent his son as a ransom. So we have the opportunity. But our response is not automatic. To make Jesus Lord of our life requires a lot of hard work. And not everybody's willing to make it. So Jesus' answer, he says, nah, the minority, only a few. Second thing. He says, well, how many different ways are there to be saved? You know, you hear, hear this question a lot. And if you're, you know, if you're in college, you'll probably hear this talked about. All religions are basically the same. They're just kind of different flavors. They're just different parts of the body. And, you know, they, they look a little different. You know, it's kind of like we're all humans, but we look a little different. The hair's a little different. You know, um, no. It sounds good. In fact, you may even hear men invented religion to control people. And so it's really not of God at all. It's just a fabrication of society. Well, thank you for your opinion. And I don't care how many initials are after your name. The credentials when it comes to salvation belong to only one man and his name is Jesus. So that's why... You know, we, we can have all our opinions, and we have to go to the one opinion that matters. And, and so, John 14, let's see what Jesus says about it. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' answer, the Savior of all mankind, the one who died for you and for me, the one who's trying to fulfill the plan of God to bring all mankind into salvation he says, there's one way, and I'm it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All the other world religions, yeah, they all have a certain moral component, and that's great. But the question is not, are they all good? The question is, do they get you to heaven? The fundamental question is, does it forgive sins? Because the, the question that people ask, are all the world religions the same? Is it really all the same God and it's just different paths to the same God? The underlying question is kind of the assumption that everybody's basically good and so it's just kind of this moral issue going. The only problem is, and you can write this reference down, Romans 3 verse 12, Paul quotes and he says, there's no one who does good, not even one. There's not one of us that will be saved. There's not one of us who's going to make it to heaven because we're such a good guy or a good woman that 
We don't need the blood of Jesus. We don't need the cross. We're going to make it on our own merit. Not one of us has that opportunity. We need a Savior. So there's only one path, and it's the one with the Savior. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say, do you believe that? The one with the credentials says, that's the truth. It ought to affect how we live our life. Because really, you know, this kind of goes along with question number one. But if deep in our heart we want to believe that everybody's basically good and going to go to heaven anyway, then there's not that much work to do. Because it would only be the really horrible sinners on our planet that need Jesus. That's kind of what the world leads us to believe. But the man with the credentials says, nah, actually, it's hard, it's narrow, only if you find it. And there's only one way, and it's through me, Jesus, the Savior. How many different ways can we make it to heaven? Jesus says, just one. It's your only option. Or as my friend's mom would say, we got two choices for dinner tonight. Take it or leave it. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we don't like that. We don't like anyone mandating anything that we feel like is rigid. So we love the part that God wants everyone to go to heaven. And we love the part that Jesus is a Savior. And then it gets down to you got one path. Well, who says? Jesus. Why do I got to do it that way? What if I do it this way? You know, we want to squirm around it. She says, no, no, no. My way. We're not going to redefine the way. The way is already there. Now it's just an issue if you're going to choose it or not. And sometimes that's right where we struggle and where we stop. Well, if it's going to be that rigid, then I don't want to do it. Because I'm just not a rigid person. We're, we're a lot more rigid than we think we are. Everybody in here got married? You're pretty rigid in, in your standard. You know, Ryan and Myra's wedding, you know, part of the vow that they repeated to each other, and I will give myself only to you till death do us part. That's rigid and appropriately so. Anything other than that, like could you imagine being in a wedding? The wedding vow is to give myself most of the time to you and just a few times to somebody else. You'd be like, what is going on? You know what? We, we chuckle because you get the point. You wouldn't be laughing if that was somebody's wedding vow. You'd be like, oh, my goodness. They, we need to stop this thing right now because they, they need counseling. And yet sometimes that's what we think God ought to do. 
Well, don't, don't, don't make it so hard. Don't be so rigid. I want some choices. I'd like a little A, B, or C option for me. No, just one. One way, Jesus. That's your choice. His terms. How many ways? One way. Not the way you think it is. It's the way that Jesus says it is. One way. Finally, the third question, important question, what if I don't get the proof I need? You know, sometimes people are afraid. They like the theory, but they're afraid of what it will mean if I decide to embark on that journey. What will happen if I give my whole heart... But at the end, I'm not convinced. Then what? What if I don't get the proof? And so they wrestle with, do I even want to give it a shot? Because what if all I'm going to find is a big question mark at the end? That would be really discouraging. You know, Jesus answers that question. But I want to first go... uh, to something Paul said about that question in Romans 1. Then we're going to go to Luke 16. But Romans chapter 1. It says, The wrath of God's being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. You know, Paul says, God has put... All the proof we need in the world around us, in his creation, that we can just go out and we can look at the mountains, we can look at the skies, the clouds and the sun and the trees and the animals and, uh, you know, the different colors and smells and tastes and textures. And we can go, God's amazing. God's phenomenal. God is real. So Paul says, hey, we got proof out there. Paul was a good guy, but let's look at what Jesus says in Luke 16. Jesus tells a story here, starting in verse 19, down to 31. And he says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. 
But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. He said, what's the point of what Jesus is saying? Well, the whole point of the story is that the rich man ended up in a bad place. And all of a sudden, when he realized, man, this is true, oh no. Hey, please go and tell my brothers so they won't come here. And Jesus said, they've got the word of God. They got Moses and the prophets. They got the scriptures. And the rich man said, no, 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 no. They need somebody to, to rise from the dead and go back and tell them. And he says, if they won't respond to the word of God, even if somebody rises from the dead, they won't be convinced. He said, well, what, what's the point? Well, when we say, what if I don't get the proof I need? Well, there's a difference between what I want and what I truly need. Well, keep in mind, who gets to define the truth of what we actually need? Jesus. And he says, everything that you need is right there in the Word of God. But sometimes we minimize the Word of God, and we want something more. We want something that's not so plain. We want something miraculous. We want something that is just going to come in our face and convince us that we need to change. And if God is God, then he needs to do this. You know, when Jesus says, no, if you're not going to respond to the word of God, even if whatever hypothetical we come up with happened, you wouldn't believe anyway. Now, turn this around. What Jesus is saying, hey, Listen, everything you need is right here. God didn't leave us hanging. Remember the question? What if I don't find the proof I need? Jesus, that won't happen. Everything you need right here, all your proof, it's right here. Well, how can I be sure? What's the heart of God? For all men and women to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. God created you. He created the universe. He's the 
the one with the dream and the plan. He sent his son to die on a cross to be your savior. And he put his word in your hands. If it were not true, then God messed up. You'd have a problem with the plan if there was a problem with the book. But you know what the real problem is? It's not the book. The challenge is what is our response to the Word of God. You know, the really awesome thing is that God wants each one of us to be saved. He made the greatest sacrifice. And he put his instruction manual in your hands so that you can get where you need to be. Now, the hard part of the salvation process is not anything that God's done. The hard part is my response. Because that's the only thing that God won't control. He says, I give you the freedom to make a good choice or a bad choice. You know what? That's really good news if you want to be saved. You know, because there's certain things in life. I could have wanted to go to Harvard, but I didn't get in. No, I didn't apply. So, I mean, maybe, maybe I could have. <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of things in life that you would like to have done. But you're not qualified. You can't get in no matter how bad your desire. I could have tried to lift that 150-pound concrete atlas ball. It would have stayed on the ground. It's not qualified. But when it comes to salvation, the most amazing, the most important thing in your life, God says, oh yeah, you're qualified. You can choose. It's in your life. It's your life. You want it? Come take it. I sent my son for you. I'm in your corner praying for you. Man, when I formed you in your mother's womb, that's my dream. That you're going to respond. That you're going to choose. I'm hoping you do. Just, you got it right there. Oh, it's not easy. It's not a majority choice. Because lordship is involved. He said, it is totally possible for everyone. He says, salvation is there. What I want. But I won't decide for you. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the judge. He is the jury. He's your defense attorney. He's your savior. What will you decide? What will you do with the answers that Jesus has given when it comes to salvation? 
There will be competing opinions. You'll hear things out there. You might have grown up hearing different things. But Jesus has the credentials. He's in your corner. He's not your enemy. But you can count on his truth. There's only one way. It's his way. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. The proof that each one of us needs to respond, it's right here. Give it a chance. Study it. Put it into practice with all your heart. And grab hold of the salvation that Jesus died to bring you. Let's put into practice the three answers that Jesus gave to important questions. Let's go ahead and stand as we close out with the final song and then a reminder to everybody. Thank you. Reminder to everybody to go back and see Dave Lisnick at the end of service and sign up for Ventura Ranch KOA Campout in October. Let's all sing together.